Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Oh, did you start? Hi, everyone. <laughs> I wasn't in my happy mood. And hello, way over there, you guys. Here we are in social distance. Quarantine. Place. Is yes. it called quarantine? I can't remember what it was called. It's been so long and we're so sad. And you guys were trying to be so responsible, but it's so hard for us because we are extroverts and we are terrible at keeping rules and following maps which we're going to talk about in a second <laughs> i like how you said terrible keeping rules we're keeping a good rule we're right trying now to. which is awesome even though i read in governor herbert's thing he says if you are a spiritual leader and are providing that kind of spiritual like upliftment to people you can still provide provide yeah okay so here we are but here still are. distancing because because i'm a rule keeper <laughs> so this spot in the book of mormon is honestly oh, just no. it's so bad for my brain and her brain, worse my brain, so wonky because I have no sense of direction. And it's almost like you get this spot where there's multiple stories happening at the same time. Camera one, camera two, and there's three and four. And they're kind of jumping time and people back and forth. And you can't remember everywhere. who goes with who or where even anyone lives. It's so confusing. <laughs> you just if you're want bad to like at maps, it. it's worse. And I'm bad at maps already, but he still can't even find his way to my house. And we've been friends for eight years, everybody. So <laughs> the, we did not make you a map. You're welcome. But we have two friends who did make a map from the Scripture Study Project, um, the Hortons, who are much more responsible at map making than yeah. we are. So we are going to use their map, and you are going to be so happy about it. And um, instead of going in order of the Scriptures... We are going to actually go in order of the map because it will make a lot more sense in your brain. And so, by map, she means timeline plus map together. We're going to go in order of time of how it actually happened and because the scriptures do flashbacks. So we're not going to jump back and forth no, between time. we are not going to do that. We're just going to go in order. You're going to be so happy. David okay. Butler is going to be your tour guide right now. We wish so bad he had worn khaki pants and those vests with the hat. That no one wears anymore. Or you could have been the man at Disneyland with a checkered vest. The Jungle Cruise man? Oh, wait. He doesn't wear... I want to be the Jungle Cruise. Okay. I want to be the rock. Have you this seen the This is going to be like the Jungle Cruise. Don't miss this. Over on the right is a hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, children. I'm going to hold okay, the map. Okay, you hold the map so it's in the right spot. Okay, this is where we're at and what happens. Remember when we just saw a hippo? <laughs> okay. Okay. This is Lehi and Nephi and company. Okay, traveling the beginning of the Book of Mormon. Then they get to this spot where they all live together. And remember, they fight with each other and they split. Like after Lehi dies, 2nd Nephi 4. This is where you get Nephites and Lamanites as two different groups. Then you get to a spot. This is in the little books, like Omnijerim, that little spot. The Lord warns the Nephite king, whose name is King Mosiah the first. He's King Benjamin's dad, King Mosiah the first. He warns him that he needs to leave out of that land and go find another place. So he is going to do this and go up. We're going to pause right here and show you where that happened in Scripture. So pause and go to the book of Omni. Verse 1. I mean, chapter 1, verse 12. It says this. Behold, I am Amalekai, the son of Abinadam. Behold, I will speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, 
who was made king over the land of Zarahemla. For behold, he being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi, and as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him into the wilderness. So they're going to leave from the land of Nephi, and they're going to go clear up here to into the, the land of Zarahemla, and that's where he's going to be the king in the yeah. land of Zarahemla. Now, and everyone who's worrying about how you're going to get this map, don't you worry. We are going to put it in the newsletter, a link to the newsletter. And remember, you can find the newsletter at emilybellfreeman.com, bell with an E. And a B. Okay, so remember when they get up to this land, they meet the Mulekites, the people of Zarahemla, and they unite together and make one people. Now, don't leave Anna yet because what's really important is it wasn't King Mosiah's idea to leave. It was the Lord's idea for them to leave, right? God saw a reason and a need for them to get out of that place where the Lamanites are. So you see a little bit later in Omni, it's verse 27. And he says, I'm going to speak somewhat concerning a certain number who went up into the wilderness to return to the land of Nephi. This is confusing, but the land of Nephi is the place where the Lamanites live. You wish it would be called the land of Laman. It's not. Sorry. It's called the land of Nephi. And he just says there is this group of people who wanted to go back to that land. That's the only detail you get as they're telling the story in the book of Omni. But when you get into the book of Mosiah, you get more details of their story of this group of people who's going to take a journey down into the land of Nephi where the Lamanites live. So now we're going to go there. And there's two journeys. Why don't you just show them that right now oh, yeah. before we go there? What's so going to happen is there's going to be a journey. It's going to end in a disaster. They're all going to fight with each other and then go back. And then another group's going to go again. And that is the group that's going to end up staying and living down there. Okay. okay. And we are going to tell so you So let's about tell you about people. that little story. So let's go to the book of Mosiah chapter 9. Now, our section this week starts in, se in chapter 7, but chapter 9 is when the flashback starts and where we learn about that. And then don't you worry, we'll go back to 7 Yeah. on the map. Okay, so chapter 9 is, here's the story. And we're right here in this section on the right-hand side, middle of the study guide paper. We called it like steps into bondage. Spoiler alert, these people are going to end up slaves to the Lamanites. Mm -hmm. But we're going to look at what are some of the things that led them into that kind of bondage and into that kind of slavery. Because what if the principles are true for us? The, the things that could lead us into a spiritual type of bondage. So do you want to start with Omni? Yeah. Oh, well, those are the ones we did. Yes. So the first thing is we put, they ignore God's warnings. Remember, God said, leave this place. Don't, don't stay here. It's not, it's not for safe. you. And a group says, I want to go back. I want to go to that place that God told them they shouldn't be. So that's where you want to start is the fact that to begin with, God had already said, this is not safe for you um, and leave. But then what's going to happen is in Mosiah 9 verse 1, it's going to say, I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites, and I knew about the land of Nephi, and I was sent down there as a spy to see what the Lamanites were doing and to see how big their forces were and to see if our army might be able to go down there and destroy him. But when he gets down there, he says at the end of verse one, when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. And so it's kind of like that situation where you're like, I know I shouldn't be with these people. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but what, what about like this? thing here 
Like maybe it's fine if I just do this part here. That's what happens in verse one is he starts, first of all, he ignores God's warning. Second, he starts to justify, um, maybe it's okay, right? So that's what happens. He starts thinking, I think it might be okay. And you know what's cool about this part? I think every time I read this, I think sometimes we want to label people. Is that a good guy or a bad guy? You know, is Zenith a good guy or a bad guy? And there's no such thing as a good guy or a bad guy. Here's just a, a person and he has these great ideas, you know, and even though it's kind of gone against what the Lord wanted him to do, I don't think he necessarily has a rebellious spirit, but rather he's like, it kind of reminds me of Joseph Smith's story when it's like, I think I should give these papers to Martin Harris so that he could like show them to people. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's like, no, you shouldn't do that. And then he thinks, <laughs> I know, but like, wait, 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 wait. If he had the papers... Like maybe more, we get more money and maybe in the Lord's like, no, it's not. So yeah. you wouldn't call Joseph a bad guy or Zen if they're just going against the warning of the Lord. And yeah. there and are things that can do, be enticing yeah, about how it. How many of us do that? That's what's so interesting to follow this pattern because how many times are you like, but I think this is, is okay. I think this would be okay, right? I, I can see some good in this situation. And then it's so interesting because... He tells everyone who's with him that is supposed to be going down to see. He's like, I I think it's fine. And they get in a big fight. Um, verse 2. This is in verse, verse two. 2. Father fights against father and brother against brother until the great number of our army, army was destroyed in the wilderness. Harmony. <laughs> so then they returned. Everyone who didn't die in that big fight to the land of Zarahemla to go talk it out, right? To tell our wives and our children, this is what happened. We went down there. Some of us felt like it was good. Some of us felt like not good. We got in a big fight. Everybody comes home. But Zenith is still like, I think we should go down there. So when he gets home, then he's talking to more people and being like, I think we should go. Yeah, and at the beginning of that verse, what we have written down there is that he wants to make a treaty with them. He says that at the beginning. He goes, and when he saw what was good among them, he didn't just admire them. He thought, "Let we should be business partners. We should actually team up with each other. Um, we should, you know, kind of do a give and take with each other. That's what a treaty is, you yeah. know? So that's his thought, but they all go back home. But then when they get back home, in the next verse, he says... Now, I being overzealous to inherit that land. He's like, he's got that idea in his head. And he's like, I want to do it. Despite all the warnings, despite the fact that our whole army just almost destroyed ourselves fighting over it. He says, I still think it's a good idea. I still want to do it. And he's just obsessed with doing it and decides to take another group to go back down to that land in verse three. And so then in verse five, he tells you, it came to pass that I went again with four of my men into the city and under the king that I might know the disposition of the king, that I might know if I might go in with my people and possess that land in peace. So you just watch that decline. It's so slow, right? He's like, I'm, I just, I'm going to go just check it out. And then when he gets there, he's like, I think this part might be okay. And then he's going to make a treaty. And you love that hindsight. He's like, I might've been overzealous, but this is what happened. I took all these people and I actually went in to see, could we talk to the king about this? Could we work it out it's so and you know you were saying it's going to take a long time it actually zenith never experiences the impact of this right like it is now it's going to be a whole generation later where they're going to end up in bondage it's not even that starting it's their kids yeah. who are going to end up in bondage which is so interesting because it makes you realize what are the decisions i am making today that might be fine for me but 
are the next generation might have consequences I I didn't want yeah. for those kids. Mm. It is really interesting to think about that. Now, it's interesting because we get to see it from um, Zenith's point of view, what he's thinking. And um, we and get a little good. bit of... It's all good. I just of, love that about him. Yeah. He's just like, I just thought this would be a good idea. Yeah, I think it would be fine. Um, you love that we get a little insight in chapter 9, verse 10 that says this. Remember at the beginning when he said, when I saw them, I saw that which was good. And... I, I wanted to enter into this relationship. In verse 10, it says, Now it was the cunning and the craftiness of King Laman to bring my people into bondage. And um, that was from the beginning. That was what his desire was. From the very beginning, he was already planning this bondage, which just makes you realize sometimes God knows more about mm-hmm. a situation that we might look at something and be like, I think this is okay. And for God to be able to be like, no, you don't know that man's heart. And he's already planning right here from day one for bondage for you. So that's important. Um, It's also important that we get to have a look at what did the Lamanites look like at that time and how that's going to play in. If you look at um, verses 12 through 16. um, It kind of talks about this. This was the character of the Lamanites. This is what God is warning them against. Um, In verse 12, they were a lazy and idolatrous people. They were desirous to bring us into bondage. They wanted to glut themselves with the labor of our hands and feast themselves upon the flock of our fields. And they stirred up each other and there was wars and contentions. This is the people. It does make you think to yourself, what good did he see? You know, you Mm -hmm. you just want to know, like, what was it that looked good in your (laughs) eyes? You know, when that's when that's just reality of what's happening there. Well, and I love that quote from President Benson where he says, the Book of Mormon exposes the enemies, you know, of mm-hmm. Christ. And he's going to show, like, there is going to be cunning and there is going to be craftiness. And yeah. we're not going to see it. I, I think that's going to be fun to compare that to in a little bit. We're going to get teachings about a seer a little bit mm-hmm. later. And it's interesting that, you know, Zenith doesn't see it. And it's yeah. like, I know. That's that's the reason that you need God's perspective. It's the reason that you need a seer. There's another really fun study that we're not really going to get too much into in the next chapter about these Lamanites, about why they're why they hate the Nephites so much, and it's because when they look back on their past, all they see is everything wrong, all the ways that they've been wronged, and all the ways that they have been cheated, and you compare that with the Nephites who look back on their past and all they remember is how often God delivered them and how merciful he was, right? So they're seeing unfair and they're seeing mercy Mm -hmm. in the same story. And it's kind of why you get a totally different life perspective from the two of them. And that's kind of a secret. You get a little secret in this chapter. If you go in chapter 9, because Zenith moves his people into the place. They start building cities, planting crops and all the things, and the Lamanites attack. And they show their true colors. And he says in 17, In the strength of the Lord we did go forth to battle against the Lamanites. And I and my people did cry mightily to the Lord that he would deliver us out of the hands of our enemies. For we were awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of our fathers. And he heard our cries and he answered our prayers. I love this spot that teaches about the character of God. That even though Zenith went down there, which was really foolish of him to do, God still heard his prayers and, mm-hmm. you know, Zenith still had a good relationship with God, even though he was 
almost like God's like, that was a really dumb choice, but I'm not going to abandon you. Yeah. You know, Zenith was like, we stayed close to the Lord during that. And it was rough, but he kept delivering us. And it's so interesting because they, it's going to be the Lord who eventually brings them out of that bondage, which teaches a really good lesson of the fact that sometimes we're not going to make good choices. We just won't. Um, the way our life goes, sometimes things are, are not going to go the way that would maybe would be the easiest path for us. But I love that fact that God is not going to abandon us in that, that he is going to stay with us until we long for deliverance. And until the deliverance comes, right? There's part of him that's like, okay, Zenith, if you're going to stay here and you're going to um, be in this place and this is what you're going to choose right now, all right, I'll walk this with you the same way I walked those 40 years in the wilderness with Moses. Um, I'm going to walk this with you, but there are better things. Yeah, and and there's a, there's consequences for living in this land. It's like... I love that God didn't say, I told you so. You should not Mm -hmm. have come back to this place. But he's like, all right, if you want to take the harder road, let's walk this harder road together. It's like Zenith kind of forgets about the Lord. He's not his number one priority. Yeah, because that one line where he says, we were awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of our fathers. That you're like, there must have been that moment when he was like, Shoot, this is not my... Yeah. But not a big enough moment to send him back quite yet, right? There's right. still going to be this learning process. And you'll find out next time, in next time's lesson, that his son um, is just full-on rebellious against the Lord. And that's very different from what Zenith's mm-hmm. personality was. Um, so that's where we are. Now, we're, the next lessons are going to take us farther into how did they get in this bondage. But we're going to sneak back to the map. Okay, let's look at the map again. That will make it easier. It's the map. So now let's show again, where did did we just go? Okay, so remember they came up here. That group wanted to go down. They got mad at each other, went back. And Zenith decided, I'm going to go down to this place. Now, um, we are going to get this whole story, right, in just a second. But what happened up here, while they're living all of this life down here, this is the beginning of it, and it keeps going. But while they're living that life up here, you've got King Benjamin who gives his big address and all those chapters that they've been doing. King Mosiah becomes the new king. And then the people keep asking King Mosiah, whatever happened to that group that went down a long time ago? We never, we haven't heard from them. Like, where are they? And so King Mosiah II, right? So we had King Mosiah I, then his son Benjamin, then King Mosiah II decides, okay, let's go find out whatever happened to that group of people. So he is going to send this guy Ammon down um, to go find out. So now, if it wasn't confusing enough already, this is not the Ammon who cut off everybody's arms. This is Ammon 1 is what he's called in the guide <laughs> to the scriptures. Okay, that's who he is. Um, where do we meet him? Okay, in Mosiah chapter 7. So... Mosiah chapter 7 is right here on, let's show that again. Okay. One more time. Do I have it up? Yeah. Right okay, Mosiah chapter 7 is right here on the timeline. Mosiah chapter 9 is right back here on the timeline. And in that you. Yeah, all of that right there. Okay. Yeah. So Mosiah 7 is Ammon going down there. When he meets them, then they're going to start telling their story. And that's and why he, there's And they're going to take him clear back up here and say, this is what happened to us. Um, but now we're going to okay, be in Ammon. Let's meet him. And he's going to go down. 
um, and you in chapter seven, and it, in verse one at the very end is where it tells you they wearied Mosiah with their teasings. They just wanted to know <laughs> what happened teasings. to those people. So the king Mosiah grants that 16 of their strong men could go down there to inquire. And Ammon, in verse three, he being a strong and mighty man and a descendant of Zarahemla, and he was also their leader. And we are in love with these 16 strong men. We just love the idea of Ammon gathering um, these 16 men, and he's going to be the leader of them, and they're going to go down into the Lamanite territory, and they're going to try and figure out and find yeah, what happened to those people. people. And it made us think to ourselves, this would be a fun thing to do as you are um, talking about this lesson, and maybe when you're done watching the video, who would your 16 strong men or women B, if you were going to think of who were the 16 people, if you were going to take with you on an adventure into an unknown situation that you know would bring you strength, who would be your 16? And it would be really awesome to let everyone in your family make a list of their 16 and then just talk about who they chose and why. And they don't have to all be your same age. Um, you can put your grandma on there if you want to or... Um, your best friend or your brother or whoever you would choose. It's just so interesting to think, who would your 16 be um, that you would take into that situation? I know I love that there is, it's a rescue mission. They don't know that it's a rescue mission yet, but um, it, it, I like that you use that word adventure. It makes me think about life, like the 16 people that you're so grateful that you get to do life with. I, I just sent a text to a friend of mine the other day and I just said that. I was like, I'm so glad I get to do life with you because of what you bring into my story, like the gifts that you're strengthening. And it's so fun to think about of all the time periods of the earth and all the continents and all the cities that the people that you've come in contact with, that you do life with. It's sort of like your graduating yeah, class so when fun. you die. You'll be like, I'm and so glad I did life with you. It and who makes do you me love? Think, you know? um, I have some nephews. And a while ago, um, there's four of them. They're all really close in age. And I wish I could tell you how old they are, but they're like between 11 and probably 15, 16 are their ages. And they decided a while ago, they were like, Let's break up two and two and stay out all night survivor. And all you can bring with you is what you can fit in this basket. That's it. And they both had this basket and they could fill it up with anything they needed to make it 24 hours. And if anyone left before the 24 hours was over, you had to shave your head. That's what was going to happen. <laughs> and it was supposed to rain that night too. So Love you just boys. didn't know what was going to happen. Remember, it's the spring, so it's cold at night. And... They both got their laundry baskets. They were both given these laundry baskets. And um, two of them came over to our house, to Greg. And they were like, help us, right? Help us get what we need for our um, 24 hours. And the other two did the same thing. They went and found someone. But it just makes me think of that. It's like in that moment, if you were going to have that adventure, who's your go-to in that moment of, um, who's going to bring you that strength? Who do you have confidence in? Who's the person who's going to fill that basket with everything that you need? And you're probably not staying out overnight for 24 hours, but you could if you wanted to, because who just needs a trip? I do. <laughs> we just go in the backyard. It, it would feel different than the house. And um, But what is your adventure right now? And who are the 16 people who might make it easier 
on you. Um, it's just fun to think about that. Yeah, who are you gathering around What you do they bring yeah. to the table? And yeah, it's so good. We loved this part of yeah, this Yeah, it's just section. this little detail, but it's so neat to think about, wait, who are those 16 people and why did they get picked? Yeah. So this group goes down and when they get down there, um, they get arrested right away um, by this, because they're these strangers who've come into the land. We're not even going to tell you why they get arrested because that will confuse the heck out of you. <laughs> Maybe we'll tell you in a couple chapters I from now. You're going to keep it a secret as if they can't just read it themselves. Well, you have to read ahead. So I'm not going to tell you right now because oh, yes. that detail's not coming. They thought they were somebody else. And so they arrested them and they were going to like kill them. And then they say, okay. You can speak. Who are you? And he says, hi, I'm Ammon. I'm coming from the land of Zarahemla. We just a long time ago had some friends who left and we wanted to check and see where they were. And you love this one line that he says that is my favorite at the end of verse 12. I am Ammon and um, I will endeavor to speak with boldness. I just think that is so cute where he's like, you're probably so scared to death. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to speak with boldness right now and tell you. And I, I love that this, the, the verse 13 where he's like, I'm assured if you'd known who I was, you wouldn't have put me in these bands. Like that's so sweet. He's like, I'm just going to assume the very best about you that because you didn't know who I was, that's why you put me in this. But had you known, it's just good to assume the best about people. And when he says who he is and where he came from, he says, there was this guy whose name was Zenith and he left. The king, whose name is Limhi, let me show you the map, is just like, oh my gosh, that's my grandpa. We've been wondering where you are. Like, we're so happy you're here. Because remember, this story's been going on Zenith and then his son, whose name was Noah, who was bad, and we'll talk about him next time. And then he had a son named Limhi, and he's the leader of the people in bondage when Ammon shows up. So it probably helps to let you know that when he got in bondage, it wasn't to the Lamanites. He he went down into the land of the Lamanites, but he wasn't in bondage to the, or he wasn't in, like, tied up by the Lamanites. He was tied up by the people he went to find. That's who ties him up. Oh, Ammon, you yeah. mean? I was Ammon. Like, no, he is. So I was like, oh no, we are confused. Ammon. Yeah, Ammon gets tied up by those people. And yes, then by the people like, he went to find. And then that's when he's like, wait a, a misunderstanding. minute, you know who I am. Yeah. And now they're like, oh my gosh, it is you. We're so happy. And I love that part that here they are, they are slaves. And all of a sudden, Ammon shows up and their hearts like start rejoicing. And I love thinking about that too. Like, who are the people that come into your life that like, if your life may look like a mess or you feel like you're in bondage, just the presence of another person that brings you like confidence. Because now he's like, everybody gather to the temple. Limhi does. Yes, like, you love this part. I want to He wanna sends preach. a proclamation through the whole land. He's like, bring everybody. Everybody has to see what is happening here. Um, and it's so cute because he sends that proclamation in verse 17. They all come to the temple. And then he says to them in verse 18, O ye, my people, lift up your heads and be comforted. For behold, the time is at hand, or it's not very far distant, when we will no longer be in subjection to our enemies, even though we've had all these strugglings. And I trust that there is even still an effectual struggle to be made. And I love that, that he's like, you're not our answer. It doesn't mean everything's over. I, I trust there's still a struggle ahead of us, but you've given us hope that there is an end in sight now. And I love that. I love the thought of, especially now, like, look where we are. 
Except for by the time you're watching this, maybe it's all over. But probably not because that's in a week from now. Um, but don't you love that there would be an end in sight finally? That, and there might still be a struggle ahead of us, but there's finally there is like this hope. And I love that. And that he sees him as like a, a godsend, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, Limai almost sees Ammon coming as like, oh, there's our message. There's our, there's our assurance that like one day everything is going to be okay. Yep. We got struggle ahead, but it's going to be, gonna be okay. okay. And in verse 19, when he says, lift up your heads and rejoice and put your trust in God. And then he's like, in case you don't know which God I'm talking about, I love this part. I'm talking about the God who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Remember, that was unexpected. I'm talking about the God who led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. Remember, that was also unexpected. And I'm talking about the God who fed them with manna in the wilderness, also unexpected. That's the God, he tells them in verse 20, that same God, that's the one I'm talking about. And we don't know how he's going to get us out of this, but we know he is. And I don't know why, but that brings me so much comfort today to think, you know, that's our God. That same God who knows how to get us out of places like this, that's our God. And he's going to know what to do. Yeah. And whether it's a quick, like, oh, split through the Red Sea or whether it's a 40-year journey, Don't whatever say that. it looks like. Take that away. <laughs> there is the, the point is there's <laughs> going to be a deliverance. We believe in a delivering God. And then he tells their own family stories too. He's like, here are the ancient scripture stories. Remember, these are our ancestors' stories also. And one day you and I are going to have a story. And so he encourages the people with this bit of advice. And now we're on this part of the page. So we we snuck back over here now. Yeah. And he's like, we're all here because of the iniquity of our grandparents. But here is the advice. And it's in verse 33. And it says this. But if we will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart and put our trust in him and serve him with all diligence of mind. If we'll do this according to his own will and pleasure, he will deliver us out of bondage. Oh, this verse is so good for us right now. Like I, it makes me want to just sit down and think, am I doing this? And are, are my kids, are we doing this? Have we turned to the Lord with full purpose of heart? And, and I think and what would each him? of these look like? Yeah. You know? And, and how are we serving him with all diligence of mind right now? Like, what does that look like? Um, Are there things that we could be doing better so he would know how serious we are about being delivered from this? Like I'm reading that and I'm like, yeah, actually I can think of things that I'm like, oh, it just makes you, you wonder, have we called on him the way we should be calling on him? But it's also important to remember that last line where it says he will according to his own will and pleasure deliver you out of bondage and that's the other thing is he knows why we got in this place that we are he knows why and he knows what we have to learn while we're here and um he knows how to get us out of this place and that's that's the important thing of just realizing what what are we learning from this situation and how are our hearts turning to him right now And really, what will that deliverance look like? And oh, we can't wait for 
that deliverance to come. Yeah. And I, I always loved that. I don't know how they used the word pleasure back in the 1820s when this was being translated, but the way we use it today always makes me think it's not only according to his will, but it's also according to his pleasure that God delights in delivering his people. And so in the end, there is always deliverance, but it's it's something he enjoys to do. He mm-hmm. loves to deliver. And we have his to remember people. his will is good. And mm-hmm. he always talks about his will as being good and that he can turn all things for our good. And at the end of this, we are going to look back and, and see there was good in this, even though it does not feel like that right now. But it was interesting because on Sunday at dinner, we had each of our kids go around and say, what is the one good thing that has come out of this for you so far? And it was so interesting to listen to people's responses of their one good thing. We can list 20 bad things. That is not hard at our house. And and we have had some really, really hard things because of this, like crying through the night things and um, just tricky things that we have had to struggle with. But it was interesting, instead of continually talking about everything that is not right in this situation, um, to think about what, what is the one good thing that has come of this so far for you. And it just was interesting to stop and think about that for a minute. Yeah, and don't you love how all three of those bits of advice are all ones that have to do with your heart? Mm. And I always want to retranslate it. In my little journal, I wrote on here where it says, um, where he says, and I will deliver you. I put in parentheses, now he can deliver you if you hand him mm. your heart. You know what? It's not, this is not the now tuition. He is able. Yeah, it's not the tuition payment. It's like, okay, now I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to put my trust in you. And I love that that comes after a recitation of how good he is mm. with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, yes. Israel. He's like, remember how good he is? Yeah. Now put your heart in his hands and then that line and then serve him with all diligence. I think about that line waiting on the Lord and turning him to saying like, okay, what should I do? Yeah. How, how like a waiter does. Yeah. What do you need? And you know, like, yeah. I'm like, what do you want? Like, how, what can, what can I do right now? That's going to help bring about this deliverance. It's just such awesome advice. Okay, we want to end on this really cool thought because as part of this story, there is this neat thing that Ammon gets to teach. And we love this, especially just coming off of General Conference two weeks ago. But um, okay, do we dare? Um, (laughs) Okay, Uh, remember Zenef and then Noah and then Limhi. Well, Limhi had sent away some people to go see if they could find this land before Ammon ever got there. He's like, go see if you can find those people. And they didn't. What they ended up finding is another civilization that had been destroyed. That's going to be the book of Ether. But I'm not going to tell you because it'll confuse you. No, it's right? fun. It's so I fun know. to know this is where they where, all connect. Yeah, this where is they where all we connect. get the story of the book of Ether. They find this abandoned, destroyed city and they find these plates, records, like golden plates that are there. And they bring those back and they said, we didn't find Zarahemla. We found this other destroyed city with these plates. And Limhi gets them and he's like, I don't know how to read these. So while Ammon's telling him like, well, we came back and he's so excited. He goes, oh, Ammon, we found these plates when we went and tried to find you. We don't know what they say. You don't happen to know how to translate languages, do you? Mm -hmm. And Ammon says, nope, I don't. But good news, my friends. 
my king back in my town, I know a guy, you know, <laughs> and he does. So this part right here is so fun. Yeah, it's so fun because he's going to tell him not only is he our king, but he has a gift from God in verse 13 of chapter 8. And um, he is called a seer, he tells him. Um, and he, and the king says, is a seer greater than a prophet in 15? And Ammon said that a seer is a revelator and a prophet also, and a gift which is greater can no man have. Um, which is so interesting as he starts talking about this prophet. And then he talks about um, this prophet's gift in verse 18. Well, in 17, he yeah. says, a seer can know of things which are past. Okay, pause, pause, pause. As you say this, like, I think it's fun if everyone thinks like... Of President Nelson. Yeah, and like, yeah. because we sustain the 15 as prophets, seers, and revelators. And certainly there's some, like... Over, you know, like, what do you call that? When something's like crossover and what each of those mm -hmm. words mean. Um, but this is how it's described. This is mm -hmm. what the gift given to them from God enables them to do. And it's just so fun to think about President Nelson um, and his role right now. A seer can know of things which are past, and he can also know of things which are to come. And by, by him, all things will be revealed or secret things could be made manifest and hidden things can come to light and things which are not known um, can be made known or otherwise they would never have been known, he tells you. Thus God has provided a means that man through faith might work mighty miracles. Therefore, he, the prophet, President Nelson, becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. Oh, we love that line so much. We, we actually stuck it um, right here. You'll see a square right here. And it might be fun just to talk about, look back at this past conference and think, um, how has President Nelson been a benefit? And not just in what happened at conference, but even um, over the years that he has been the prophet, what has been the great benefit to you and to your family? And what have you learned from the invitations that you've accepted and how have you grown through those invitations? Now, I love thinking about prophets, seers, and revelators as um, a gift, you know? Mm -hmm. The gift was given to them, but really it was given to all of mankind through them. And what? how has God shown love and how has God given strength and hope through this gift of seership, you know, to the world? And that's so neat. That's what we want you to fill this box in. How have prophets, seers, revelators been a great benefit? One of the to things you? that I have done this week since General Conference has come up on, um, like it's accessible now to read, is I went through and looked up all of the promises from General Conference, the um, blessings that each of the apostles, they didn't all, but there were a large number who did left a blessing at the end of their talk. And President Nelson did mm. also. And I've just started writing them up on pieces of paper in my house. Um, just the promises that were promised us for the next six months of our life. Like who doesn't want to just study what those look like? Yeah. So maybe we can give you a list of the talks to look at. I will, let me just write that down. Yeah, especially um, that, that apostolic blessing, that yes. prophetic blessing that comes at the very end. I, yeah, this... there were two times. He gave us two blessings, but that one at the end. Oh. Oh, you have to watch that. Don't read it. If you didn't <laughs> get to see it, like his eyes in that moment, I was like, oh. It was like he just came right into our basement through the TV and was like, here, 
Well, don't really <laughs> stand on your side of the line. I read this um, this little article this week about this that in some um, American Indian tribes that they have a person who is the um, the hope giver mm. in the tribe, and their job is it's an assigned person that no matter what is going wrong in the whole tribe or the world around them, their job is to always maintain hope. Oh. And when I watched conference that is what i thought about was like there are our hope givers like yep. no matter what's going on that was the message and what a great benefit mm. that was you know i just wanted this weekend i wanted to just have a redo like groundhog day general conference just should we just start again on saturday morning because by sunday night i was like we're gonna make it like we are gonna be okay that we're gonna get out of this um so we might just have to have general conference weekends like Every other week at my house. <laughs> that could be true. Okay. Well, you guys, thanks for hanging Next with week, us. We made it we'll through that We'll get the map crazy... out again, everybody. Don't you worry. We're going to get you all the way through this without getting you lost. That's our goal. Okay. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.